often have you been wandering around at night and see random lights off in the distance? Probably not often if you live in a big city, but what about those times you're driving home at night, say from Las Vegas, Nevada, or even Houston, Texas? The long stretch of road with very few roadside lights to illuminate everything up ahead. That's usually where people see a light that seems to come from nowhere. If you're tired, you can probably just write it off as some trick of the scenery or a smear on your windshield that's distorting someone else's headlights. Well, if that's your train of thought, then you would be with the majority of the population. Though if you're pretty sure that it's something beyond this world, then maybe you've got more of a little a more of a level head on your shoulders than you think. Hello, dear listeners. I'm your host, Anne-Marie, and on today's episode, we'll be exploring the ghost lights, also known as spook lights, seen in the Brown Mountains in North Carolina and Bragg Road in Texas. Also, full disclaimer, my cat is currently laying next to me, so if you hear any purring or if you hear a bump against the microphone. His feet are actually laying against the stand that my microphone is on because I'm currently in a makeshift recording pillow fort on my bed. <laughs> so again, in advance, nothing I can really do about that. As we all know, cats will do what they do. All right. Uh, honestly, it feels really good to be back in the habit of writing and recording episodes again. Plus, Research is fun, too. Um, if you're wondering, if this is your first episode, why I'm making that odd side, com side comment, go back to episode 16. That'll give you the, the full scoop. Moving forward, strange lights in the dark, having held the curiosity of many people throughout the ages, and even more so after a little incident down in Roswell, New Mexico. That's another episode. Lights have been seen all over this country as early as the year 1200, which leads us to our first mystery light. Out in North Carolina, there, there lives the infamous Brown Mountain Lights. The, the sightings for these lights go back to the year 1200 and were reported by both the Cherokee and the Catawba tribes, I, I do apologize for my my mispronunciation. I, I mean, no offense. I'm going to do my best. In the history of both tribes, it is believed that the Lights are warriors who were killed in a great battle that occurred that year. I mean, moving forward in history, these Lights were even mentioned home in letters that soldiers from the Civil War wrote about back to their loved ones. For years, people have been really trying to figure out what this mystery is. I mean, it's been seen since the year 1200, reported by a lot of Civil War soldiers. And then, in 1913, out of desperation for an answer for this mystery, uh, an answer was sort of given to the public by the U.S. Geological Survey. They determined that the lights were, in fact, reflections from the locomotive lights that were coming from the tracks behind Brown Mountain. Yeah, it wasn't conclusive for very long. Uh, shortly afterwards, uh, the tracks, um, that they were actually washed out by a very strong flood. So there were no trains there for months. 
but the lights continued to be present in their ever mysterious ways. And I'm, I don't think back then it was shared a lot, the letters from the Civil War about the lights going out, being out there. I, I'm pretty sure they didn't know about the usual reports. Oh, oh hold on, gotta pause. Okay, sorry. My kitty cat is readjusting to a more comfortable position. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure they didn't share that information outright, even though in the late 1800s, spiritualism was really big. So light, orbs of light, but then again, people may still be figuring it was a trick of some sort. Um, I actually went and found a video on YouTube that was seen about the lights. The channel I saw was Arc, Advent Arc Adventures. That's A-R-K, Arc Adventures on YouTube. Uh, he starts his video by explaining where he was, and he shows on Google Earth, like, where he was, where he took the pictures, and where he was aiming as well on the mountains. And I really like that because that helped lay the groundwork for seeing everything. The first image he shows is a light that is actually floating above the top, the tops of the trees in a specific area. And something to note is that he had to take the photos at a 20 to second exposure. So... Why, if you're wondering why, cameras actually need a really good amount of light and not all cameras have that fancy cell phone function of night photography. So to get night photography for both film and digital cameras, um, which uh, single they're single lens reflex, so DSLR, digital single lens reflex, those cameras, you have to keep the shutter, which initially blocks the light, so... Um, nothing gets exposed prematurely, but they have to keep that shutter open for 20 to 30 seconds just to get enough light out. Um, they can increase the sensitivity of the camera sensors, but that only does so much. The more sensitive the film, it helps, but the problem is you have to leave the shutter open so long. You can't actually hold it in your hands. You actually have to put it on a tripod. Um, sorry, my photo geek me is coming out. <laughs> uh, man, I miss photography gotta get back out there. Back back to the video. Um, he had a good variety of image images that he shared and one one shows the light. It is so bright above the treetops I can actually make out the branches of the trees underneath it in the picture. And towards the time about like five minutes 15 seconds into the video an especially eerie image kind of shows up. This light is going closer to the ground, but then it's seen flying up in erratic movement, and then it appears to kind of go back down again. Seeing these images actually gave me some goosebumps, and I really recommend checking out the video. The images are both eerie and beautiful to view. The link will be in the notes below, or you can go directly to my website to check out the links listed under the episode. A uh, thing to note is that with an extended exposure that he's doing with his camera, it would actually be difficult to capture anyone running around with a light. If you've ever seen pictures where it looks like it's a streak of light running around, that's usually because somebody's quote-unquote painting with a flashlight or a lantern. But it's not impossible because the person could still be in the frame long enough running around that you'd see at least a blur or something. Also, if this is an elaborate prank... Kudos to the generations of people dedicating their years to doing it all this time. Also, if it was happening back in the year 1200, 
And they're running around with the torch. I'm surprised they didn't light the whole fire, the whole place on fire. So I definitely believe these are very, very real and mysterious. And I love them because they are mysterious. Another interesting thing to note that now that you know the first sightings and the attempt in 1913 to explain them, the Smithsonian Institution actually looked into these lights to see if they could, you know, find an answer. Their theories have run the gambit, with the most popular being swamp gas, reflections from moonshine stills, which, wait a minute, I I mean, I'm pretty sure the point of a proper moonshine production is there's stills not being found, so that's like the least believable one, anyway. And the most recent theory was atmospheric conditions that reflects electricity. Thankfully, the moonshine theory was dismissed, but also swamp gas theory as well, because there are no swamps in that mountain area. The electricity one is also looking more debunked because given that these lights have been seen in clear skies when there's no lightning, and these lights have been seen long before people harness the power of electricity, these lights, they just, they continue to remain yet another beautiful mystery in this world. So let's travel, time to travel, out to East Texas, to an area known as the Big Thicket. This place is a national preserve that protects around 113,114 acres of land and water that covers about seven counties. I mean, wow, that, that's quite the forest. Personally, when I think of Texas, there's the Alamo, obviously, the Wild West stories, Thousands of bats that live under a bridge, and parts of Route 66. I, I didn't realize there could be such a large expanse of forest in the state, and it has now been added to my ever-growing travel list when I get around to taking a big road trip around the country. Uh, back to the story. Anyway, um, the Big Thicket got its name for a reason, as it is a very dense forest area. And that's no exception for trees lining the old stretch of Bragg Road, located in Hardin County. There's also a Bigfoot story here, but that'll be for a future episode. Bragg Road wasn't always a driving road. It actually used to be where a railway ran through. It's this bit of history that gives us the legend behind the ghost light of Bragg Road. As always, the legends change a little as it's passed from person to person, but the basics of it I got from an article from the website Only in Your State, which was written by Katie Lawrence. And she tells the story pretty well, so I'm going to read it word for word. Again, all sources are listed in the notes below. Legend has it that one night, more than a century ago, a railroad brakeman was riding his horse down the road. Used to be a railroad. He was carrying a lantern to illuminate the path in front of him since this area of East Texas is so remote and desolate. The train derailed in a tragic accident, falling right on the man and his horse, and cutting his head clean off the rest of his body. According to this folklore, he's doomed to haunt the road for the rest of eternity, searching for his missing head by the light of his ghostly lantern. Pretty gruesome story, but Legends of Hauntings aren't always a happy one, and I feel like Lawrence really compressed the story into some good basics, but um, actually... Happy hauntings is a good idea for a future episode. I'm actually going to write that down and work on it, so look forward to that in the future. 
uh, back to Bragg Road. Reports said that the light seen is always in the same spot. It has always been said that no matter how hard you try, you actually won't be able to catch it or get close to it. If you want to see pictures or video, Lawrence actually has included that in her article. Watching the video, it's a little blurry, but you do see the light that appears to just hover about human arm height above, like, where the road would be. And as the crew in their car drives closer, it slowly fades out. But they don't seem to get any closer to it, as the light doesn't seem to change in size on the video. If you want to analyze it down, a couple people might say it could that it could just be headlights reflecting off of something. But if that was the case, they then the light would it would stay there constantly and grow in size as it dro- as they drove closer down the road. Also, who would really put a reflective surface somewhere on the road where it could be easily found or hit? That completely. I mean, this thing the story would have been debunked long ago if that was the case. Um, This story is about, or excuse me, this video is about eight minutes or so long, and as it keeps going, the light keeps coming in, showing up, popping in and out, appearing, reappearing. You can even hear them talking about it, how one point it could emit another car, but the one thing that remains is they still don't get closer to the light, despite the fact it looks like they're going a little faster than 25 miles an hour down the road. I mean, I, I do believe in the paranormal, but I'm not quick to cry ghost because realistic explanation should always be explored first. As an example, I do hear random noises in my house, but I've learned to recognize sounds of the house just settling. You know, if it was really hot during the day, cold during the night, the house is going to make some creaking sounds and, you know, settle. Or... Honestly, I I tend to blame the cats running around, (laughs) or one cat in particular. I mean, depends on if one's laying on my bed or not, but they'll run around and occasionally knock stuff over. It's a good reason to hold this practice, because the evidence becomes further believable as a true paranormal event if you have ruled, ruled out all logical explanations. This has been quite the adventure, but unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your point of view, we are at the end of the road for this episode at least. There are a number of ghost lights and mysterious ghost lights, or just mysterious lights, that are reported around the world, so we'll be coming back to this again. For now, please remember to give this episode, or this podcast, a five-star rating wherever you are listening if you've enjoyed it. And remember to subscribe to get notified when episodes are released every other Tuesday. Follow me on Instagram at Explores for updates and just fun pictures I take throughout the week. I'm not very big on social media, but I'll I'll post some fun pictures when I can. You'll usually be able to see my cat on there as well. Plus, you'll want to catch the next episode, so please, please come on back in two weeks. Or, sorry. I say two weeks, but I actually don't know when you're going to be listening to this. So come on back on February 15th because I have booked my first guest host. Yay! I'm really excited. 
Uh, he's an independent author that loves creepy lighthouses and abandoned places. So, we'll see you all on the next episode. And until then, safe exploring, everyone. <laughs>